All right, hello everyone. Uh, just want to come on here before the episode gets going and just say this one's going to look a little uh, different. I do sit down with Jared Hoots and we just have really a great conversation. He brings so much insight into um, just living out the uh, the Christian life and I'm uh, just so glad to talk to him. I will say things are a little different on this one. Uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties as well as a couple of really sweet young guests who kept coming into the room uh, and interrupting at the beginning of our conversation and then at one point just a technical error of me uh, not hitting the record button and we had a good good long discussion during that part so um, we'll kind of jump in midstream on this one and I do hope to get Jerry back in uh, real soon to uh, re-record the part we missed and even talk to him uh, much much more he just shared so many good things so uh, episode 6 is coming right up with Jared Hoots. How do we know each other? You were a few years behind me in school. Four years? Yeah, like a lot. A lot. I, I am way old. Way far behind you in school, James. Really far behind. Yeah, we didn't uh, really overlap in school. Well, I, I graduated in 03. You were like 98? 99. So we were four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you come from the legendary Hoots family of uh, great people and great uh, athletes. So yeah, yeah. I knew your brother a little bit in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And... I'm pretty certain you confirmed or denied the story to me, but I think this is true. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my illustrious basketball career at Forbes High School, I was decent on JV, and I scored five points as a varsity player. One shot being a three-pointer at the buzzer the last game of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Hit one shot, two free throws, one shot. Uh, I'm pretty certain you were like sitting on the bench. 100%. And I like went up and like, chest bumped your high five or something and I immediately turned to the coaches like I'm sorry because we got beat it was a playoff game we <laughs> lost but it was the only shot I hit all season and the first person I believe not on my team maybe the first person all to congratulate me was Jared Hoots <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that happened so my earliest memory of you goes back to uh, when you were probably 7th or 8th grade and it was Yakimo versus Courtney. Oh, that was yeah. good. Good so times. Yeah, I was. I was. I don't remember how old it was. Probably fourth or fifth grade, I guess. Yeah, uh, fourth grade probably. But I just remember, um, you know, I remember you being a shooter on the team, and you know, just the inten- remember the intensity of the game. You know, I don't. I just that. But I remember you from seventh grade basketball. But then that, of course, you the story you're telling about, um, you know, hitting the the deep three, and then oh. which is oh. of course probably where the name. On the podcast. It is, yes. Uh, you know, I, I remember that vividly like it was yesterday. So to to a certain extent, you were almost like a celebrity in my mind. You know, <laughs> first off, as a yeah, kid, yeah, you know, yeah. as a kid, just like, man, this guy's, you know, look how far he shot from, and he yeah. made that three-pointer. And, I was like Steph know, Curry before Steph that's Curry. That's exactly right. So yeah. in my brain, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be like that guy. Wow. You know, so that's, but seriously, that's what I remember about you. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the, our relationship obviously prog- progressed as uh, I got older to the point where you kind of became a mentor to me in a way through high school. And uh, then, of course, when I was out on my own, I came back from college. Um, you know, we we had the opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of do some ministry together. Yeah. And uh, just really, um, 
started to uh, develop our passion for what ministry looked like in the future together. Sure. We had a lot of chats yes. about what, what, what do we see ministry looking like. And, of course, here we're sitting in Collide. Yeah. And we, we were dreaming that. We were. Know? We were dreaming that. Um, you know, Pit that's, crew. That's right. That's what Pit it was. Crew. Pit crew. That's yeah. right. We had a lot of fun. Um, and so that's really, you know, that's our relationship there. Just, uh, you know, from me looking at you like you were a celebrity basketball player. to You figured that friend. out. That was not the case. Uh, at some point, I would say. I don't know. <laughs> but and intertwining that is quite a few. Uh, you can still shoot the deep three. Quite games. a few pickup games, which are coming back. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so, so yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. My gut hopes so. Well, for you know, sure. One of the things you told me to think about was what my favorite sports memory was. Yes, well, yeah, and I've got a few, yeah. and they're from different categories of sports. Okay. So you know, my first thought was I just talked to Mark Brandon, who we call Pugs. Um, we play a lot of, he is a legend for sure play a lot of pickup basketball together through the years at the Y and I guess my when I thought about it what were some of my favorite sports memories pretty much any time that I've hit a game winner on Pugs is yes. probably one of my favorite sports memories so if Mark <laughs> if you're listening to this you know just know that that's etched. Those are etched in my brain. Good, they, they should be. Uh, but I would say, uh, you know, popular sports memories. I'm a I'm a graduate from App State, so yeah. we got to go to 2007. You know, when uh, the Mountaineers defeated the Wolverines. Man. Yes. And so, sports memory. Uh, you know, you're sitting there thinking, "Gosh, App's come so close to winning this game, and now yep. Michigan's going to kick this field goal, and App's going to lose in the big house by field goal." Yeah. You know, by one point. And uh, then, of course, when Corey Lynch blocks the punt, I mean, it's just – that's, <laughs> that's an awesome. all-time memory right there. Sure. You know, so well, that's probably one of my favorite sports memories. Um, and then I actually had a chance in 2005. We traveled from Boone to Chapel Hill, and I got to watch the uh, national championship game on campus there at, uh, okay. at UNC Chapel Hill, and I got to celebrate on Franklin Street. Fun fact, I was there also. So I was there, Jared. I, we weren't hanging out. I was going to seminary, and I planned my driving that day. I was mm-hmm. commuting. Unlike Jared, I did not get on campus, which I would definitely say getting on campus was a smart decision. So I stayed there uh, and was on Franklin Street that night as well. So did you set anything on fire? I did not. I saw a few fires, uh, and I may I may have jumped over a short one. <laughs> I don't even remember, but I did not set any fires. No. Well, now the basketball team could be a dumpster fire right now, but we won't get into all that. Oh, we'll see, really we'll see yeah. how that's going to pan out. Oh, yeah. That's a good memory as well. Um, all right, so what uh, what's something you can't get enough of? So I'm thinking culture. Is it uh, I don't know a TV show? Is it somewhere you like to go eat right now? Uh, is mm. it something your kids are into that you actually do like, or maybe mm. with them it's like I can't watch another second of that show. Mm-hmm. But what's what's something you're really into right now? Okay, a couple of things here. First of all, Easter is right around the corner, okay? Yes. But pretty much from about January, my favorite candy starts to show up on the shelf. Okay. Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, dude. So, we have so much in common. That was so good. <laughs> when the Cadbury cream so eggs good. come out, I mean, like, last year, the couple of days after Easter, Kimberly yeah. found, like, a whole box that was like 75% off. And so I ate Cadbury cream eggs for at least four days. You know, no, I'm just kidding. We had it for several weeks. Okay? Yeah. So a whole box of them. It was incredible. There's like probably 50 Cadbury eggs in that box. 50. 50. Yes. Wow. So I thought you were going to say uh, 
heaps, and I was going to be really upset. No, so I'm peeps, really glad you said Cadbury eggs. They no. are definitely better. Yes, Cadbury eggs are the best. If, if you think peeps are better, come at us. We will tell you different. That's right. So that's something I definitely can't get enough of. And I should definitely watch my intake of those because I'm not playing any basketball or doing anything right now. Uh, but the other thing I can't get enough of is pretty much anything Marvel Studios is producing. Okay. I mean, like, I really, I love watching Marvel movies. I have sucked Kimberly into this. Okay. And now I'm sucking my children into it. All right. So we have <laughs> gone through most of the Marvel movies and okay. let the kids watch them, and they love it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jackson hates anything with Hulk in it. He's not quite ready for Hulk. He kind okay. of scares him a little bit. Yeah. But uh, other than that, they love they love the Marvel stuff. Um you know, I enjoyed the WandaVision series. I wasn't too sure about it when it first started because it was a little bit um, outside of my. Uh, it was a little weird, you know, okay. to begin with. Um, yeah. But uh, it came it ended strong, and then of course they're doing Falcon and Winter Soldier right now. So love Marvel Studios. Um, those are things I, I really enjoy. I haven't gotten into those. My wife had those are the ones you can watch in the order that the storyline makes sense, right? Yeah. So she, is, she did that in the order that's. I guess Marvel tells you that so you can keep up with everything. I I, I need to sit down and focus. I, I just haven't gotten into So Marvel it. puts it in a timeline order on Disney+. Plus. You've got several different okay. ways you can watch it. and So they have different different pathways you can okay. take through the movies. Um, but we watched it in uh, what uh, we found online, this, this order called the Spaghetti Order. Okay. And um, it really it tied all the movies together based off of the end credits scene. Um, so like ah. whatever it led to next with the end credit scene, you would jump to that one. Okay. Um, and it was really it was a good way to watch them okay. um, together. It made a lot of sense. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, good stuff. Uh, definitely get you some Cadbury eggs. And uh, while you're watching your Marvel movies, you can eat your Cadbury eggs. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So a little more serious note. Not that those things are not important. Uh, what's something that God is teaching you right now? Uh, well. You know, one of the things that um, one of the things I wanted to do this year, I wanted to set some goals. Um, last year, I had a chance to look back at the goals that I set the year uh, the year before, and I really failed miserably mm. in accomplishing those goals. And so this year, I kind of wanted to pull a Jonathan Edwards and make some resolutions. You know, okay. I'm going to do this this year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of those things is to you know have a priority to make a plan to memorize scripture. Okay. And um, you know, David says that he's hid God's word in his heart so that he wouldn't sin against God. Mm. And, you know, there's something to us hiding the word in our heart that will help us to learn to love and obey him better. And um, so I've tried to make it a point this year uh, to um, pick out verses uh, in the devotionals that I'm doing or whether I am, um, uh, you know, teaching something with our teenagers. We've been going through a series on biblical sexuality, and I have them memorize a verse every week. So that's one of the verses that I'll memorize. I'll make sure that I memorize okay. whatever verse they're memorizing. But uh, I also am, uh, you know, just kind of letting the Lord lead me to what verses He wants me to put in my memory bank. Okay. And uh, I'm also going through some catechisms right now. I brought the book. It's called the New City Catechism. It's a devotional book. Um, it's the, the, Timothy Keller wrote the introduction, but uh, I think the it's a different editor. Um, but it's just incredible, and I think it's actually a free resource. If you get on the Gospel okay. Coalition, you can actually download an app, and you have access to everything that's in this book on the app. Um, you have sh- they have uh, shorter catechisms that you can do with your kids as well um, to just abbreviate them. But um, just putting those things to memory. So I, when I when I go through this devotional, I'll memorize the question, the answer. And I'll memorize the scripture passage that goes along with the question and the answer. And I'm trying to do about one per week. 
and uh, you know what the Lord's really teaching me through it. I've never really put a practice of consistent memorization into um, my routine of you know spending time with the Lord. But what He's really showing me is when I'm hiding His Word in my heart, it's just like the conversations that I get into with people. Mm. It's like almost like I can't have those conversations without the Holy Spirit bringing something that I'm putting into my arsenal into my mind to use in the conversation. It just happened this morning at the barbershop. Okay. You know, and it's like, why haven't I been doing this more? Yeah. You know, so the Lord is, uh, and it's not that I've never memorized anything. You know, I've memorized scripture in the past. But to just develop a consistent routine to memorize. What happens when you're memorizing regularly is that you're also reviewing scripture regularly. Mm. So that way the meditation is already, is happening. You know, you're riding down the road. It's like, I want to remember these things that yeah. I'm memorizing. I don't want to just memorize them and forget them. So you're going through it in your head, and as you're going through it in your head, it's like the Holy Spirit will begin to convict your heart, and it's just like, okay, in order for me to really meditate, yeah, I need to be memorizing. Okay. So it's just like the Lord's really opened my eyes to the benefit of the discipline of memorization and making a plan for it. And what I would tell people is, if you know, sometimes we neglect to do it because it's hard. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not something that you just can do passively. If you're going to memorize something, you have to sit down and focus. And, um, I, you know, what I would suggest to people is if you're going to do that, if you want to be someone who's going to develop the discipline of memorization, you've got to make a plan for it. Hmm. If we don't make a plan, we're just going to sit down and it's not going to happen. So make the plan. Um, what I found, like I said, very helpful is I'll use the scripture, what I'm teaching to our teenagers, but I also will use this devotional and the scripture that comes along with it. So having a plan in place is really helpful. Um, and, of course, like I said, that's just something that I feel like he's taught me um, this year that I'm okay. focusing on. Do you like? Do you do that? What is your plan, I guess? Like, are you writing this down? Or how many times do you look at it daily? Yeah. What's, so what's a, your plan? That's a great question because I have with me all the time what I would consider to be my little book. I have a notebook that's like a – it's like my brain, okay? Anything that I'm doing – Every single week I'm writing down a list of things that I need to accomplish. And at the top of the page, um, of the page where I'm checking off the things that I've got to get done, I have the things that I want to focus on personally that week to accomplish the goals that I've set for this year. I write them at the top of the page. Okay. So one of the goals that I have is to you know, have a consistent family worship time with our family at least five days a week this year. Um, and so I write down what I'm going to do with our kids. Okay. Um, and I've got it at the top of the page, and I'm looking at it. So I'm going to write down, we're going to do this gospel project, um, Bible storybook with, uh, on that Tuesday. We're going to memorize Catechism 1 from Jesus Kids. And I make the plan on like Sunday night or Monday morning. Okay. That way for the whole week I know what it's we're going to be doing. Otherwise, you get to that point, and you're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, what, am I, what can we do today for family worship time? Um, and then I pick a song out that we're going to sing together. Um, for their memory verse, I find a memory verse that we're going to focus on with them. And then I write down at the top of my page the verses that I want to memorize for the week. Okay. So I make the plan on Sunday or Monday, and then I've got three or, four ver three or four verses written down. And then I will put them to memory. I write them down as, I'm, as I've got them memorized, and um, I review it regularly. And then after I've got a verse memorized in the very back of this notebook, I write down the verses that I've memorized so far. The goal for that I have for this year, I wanted to memorize 100 new verses. Wow. And, you know, and I'll just, as I started doing it, I, I said my goal was 100 verses for the year. That's, you know, I'm about two a week, yeah. you know. But 
I realized after about four weeks, I'd already got to about 25 or 30 verses. Okay. You know, so it's like when you start memorizing, it becomes easier to do it. It takes you less time to memorize a new verse because you're training your mind to memorize. And, um, I mean, it's just been very refreshing for me this year. And the plan is important. If I don't have the plan, I don't do it. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's is that is that a proverb? Hmm. I'm joking, I don't hmm. think it is. But James four seven, is that it? No, no, it's ja- it. Jamie Revis four seven. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was like, that is actually a verse. Like, hold on a second, no, you're gonna pull it out that's on me. Not right. It's gonna be one. Like, wait, no. wait a minute. At least make up a, a yeah, fake yeah. book. I know you're well, telling us. I looked at you and thought James. It's just that Jamie Revis from the beginning. Okay, uh, that's good. Um, I feel like that we got we have a plan for right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to deviate slightly from it based okay. on what you just did uh, and said, which is awesome stuff. Um, so three questions. I told you three questions, uh, and then I do have a. There is a point to this. There's also a podcast. I'll give you more podcasts. Ten questions uh, is a podcast on the Ringer Network, and they ask these sports people ten questions, and they're all it all ties in their life. So this is going to tie in something you told me okay. a little while back, and then we'll kind of finish up with that. Um, I'll give you within, let's see, I'll give you within a thousand on this one. Mm-hmm. What is the population of Gacking County? 2019 stats. The population of Yakin County. Yakin County. I have no idea. This is tough. It is tough. Um, I'll give you within 5,000. Shoot, I'll make it easier. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> 20,000 people. A little higher. Almost double. 37,667, I believe, is the number I saw. This is on Google. I always say, I can say, I found this on Google, so, but. So, I'm sorry. 37,000. I, I have no clue on that. Yeah, so. Uh, almost 40,000 people in Yakin County. So, uh, that's where you live. Okay. Remember that word. All right. Okay. Um, when, uh, and I hope this is right, you may even correct me on this one, uh, when did Rainbow Vacuum Cleaners, when were they started being made and by who? Um, 1936. Okay. Feel good about my you research. You mean the manufacturer? Who's the manufacturer? Rexair Incorporated. Okay, good. So my internet look was right. So yes. uh, your dad, John, has the Rainbow office. You worked for him, probably still do. Mm-hmm. So that is where you work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is another question. I think if anybody knows the answer to this question, it'll either be you or your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of a joke, but I think he might actually know what it is. What's the all-time church ball record of Peace Haven Church? Church ball record. What's all-time record? Oh, gosh. I don't know the answer to this question. I'm just saying, but I, I would not be surprised if you would know what it was. No, I don't know how many wins we've had. A lot more than losses. Yes. I would say up until this past year, we might have had four losses. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Four or five. And then this year, I think we lost four or five games. I will say that our church, the the league this year, was more competitive than it's ever been. It was. I mean, there was uh, there's some really good competition. There's a lot of yeah. good basketball players in Yakin County right now. Of those forty thousand, that's right, pretty good ones. That's right, and I think it's a lot of fun too. You know, it's uh, it's a lot more fun when you've got, um, you know, guys that are playing not just on Sundays, but they play all through the week. Right. Um. So, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe 
I don't know how to estimate the wins. It's a lot. I would say you're 90% or above. So yeah, probably. they're like the Chicago Bulls of Church League. So uh, that's where you, I'll say this where you uh, play. So uh, live, work, and play. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. you sharing something with me a little while back, and it's something that's been on my mind. Uh, but just being really um, aware of connecting with people mm-hmm. uh, and, and sharing your faith with them, but doing it in a way that uh, is in the rhythms of your life, uh-huh. where you live, where you work, where you play, the circles that you're in, uh, socially, whatever it may be, uh, would you kind of share a little bit about that, like how you came to that and how you've seen that be uh, effective more so than maybe, and I'm not saying this is wrong, just more of a shotgun approach of uh, of sharing your faith. How, how has that benefited uh, you and, and, and your walk and, and you know, we all should be sharing our faith, but how, how does this help to drive you to, to do that more effectively? Well, I think any time you proclaim the gospel, it's a good thing, right? Yes. So regardless of whether it's you know somebody in the rhythms of your life or whether it's you know, you, you're out on the street and you're just with a megaphone and you're sharing the gospel. Right. And you're not just you know, out there to be harsh to people or mean to people. Right. But you want people to know Jesus. I mean, yes. that's important. Yes, yes it is. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the regular rhythms of our life, if we're not living with an intentional purpose um, to share the gospel, we won't, right? If we're not thinking about it regularly. It's just if, like uh, the plan you just talked about for memorizing scripture. Yes. you got to have a plan. If you're not intentional with sharing your faith, then your conversations will never move towards Jesus. You know, so like for instance, can you dig? Yeah, the digging it up a little bit—that's good. There's a lot of times where you know we just want to be comfortable in the environments that we're in. So if we're in the barber shop, or if we're at the ball court, or you know if we're at work, we're going to talk about things that are a little bit more superficial. That's not going to cause anybody to think beyond, uh, you know, what's happened in the news today. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the weather. We'll talk about our job. Um, but if we're going to be truly focused on the mission of Christ, you know, you look at what Jesus did when he was out healing the sick, right? He, he was doing that because he had compassion for people, but ultimately he said he wanted to go to the other towns and preach the good news. Hmm. He wanted to take the message of the gospel to them. He wanted them to know that there was a way that people could repent and be saved. And so Jesus' mission, he was focused on the mission of uh, making disciples, Right, he wanted people. That was his ultimate goal: was to seek and to save the lost. And for us, if we are to live focused on that mission, it means that every conversation that we get into, every person that the Lord brings across our path, we need to be thinking about them with an eternal perspective in mm-hmm. mind. Um, is this the last time I'll have a chance to talk to this person? Or if God gives us an opportunity uh, to talk to someone uh, who, um, you know. Maybe it's you can use for an extended period of time. Um, you know, instead of just talking about their life or your life, do you move it towards? Well, let's let's talk about um, who Jesus Christ is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how does Christ impact or affect your life? Have you experienced the grace of God? Do you know where you're going to be spending eternity? Um, and you know that those situations I think present themselves more than we realize. Now, how do we realize this? How do we maybe change our change to the point where we can take advantage of those opportunities more often? Well, 
the language we're using in our church right now is that we want to be people who, a true disciple, or a mature disciple is someone who follows Jesus, positions themselves to be formed by Jesus, and then lives focused on the mission of Jesus. That pro, that It's like a process almost. There's a lot of people in our world today that would profess to follow Jesus, right? But they're not really doing anything to position themselves to be formed. And what I mean by that is they're not reading the Word themselves. They're not memorizing the Word themselves. The Word of Christ is not dwelling richly in them. They're not meditating on the Word of God. They're not praying and seeking the opportunities that the Lord would give them day in and day out. They don't pray to be on His agenda. They live out their agenda every day. So they're not really positioning themselves to be formed. And because of that, they don't live focused on the mission of Christ. So we have to get to a place where we as Christians are doing a better job of positioning ourselves to be formed. Where we are, like we talked about a little bit earlier, memorizing God's Word regularly. So that it's on our mind. Mm. So that when we're in conversations, the Holy Spirit will pull that out and say, Hey, share this with this person. You're not doing it just so you know it and it's in your head. That's it's exactly right. be in your whole life. But you know what that involves. Okay, it involves risk. Right, I mean, sure. we're we're especially in the culture that we're in today, uh, where you know biblical stances on certain issues and certain topics are not going to you know give you the most popular position in the room, mm. right? Uh, where people could label you as a bigot or as somebody who hates people just because you would affirm to follow Jesus or that you would claim to be a Christian, um, and so and. We've kind of done that to ourselves in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we we haven't been as Christ-like towards people in our approach to sharing the gospel as we should, uh, as we should have been. Um, so, I will say what we have to remember is that anytime we're going to take the risk to share the gospel with someone, it can't be just for the sake of getting that person to pray a prayer. Mm. You know, discipleship involves relationship. And for us, we have to have a fundamental shift in our thinking regarding the mission that Christ has given us to accomplish, where we're not just seeing it as how many professions of faith can we get people to make as much as it is let's, how many people can we walk with in order to help them um, learn to follow Jesus, be formed by Him, and then live focused on His mission as well. And that's going to take time, and it's also going to take resources, and it's going to take um, a lot of emotional effort too. Um, so we've I've had the opportunity over the past you know year to be able to invest in some people. Mm. That's cost me money. It's cost me time. It's cost me um, you know uh, it's cost me a brain. You know, thing <laughs> like that. I've had to think. You know, yeah, yeah. thinking about these people. I'm putting right. my emotions into these people, and I'm praying for them. Um, thinking about how I can help them. But that's really what we're called to do. That's what Jesus did for us. And so we have to have a shift in thinking on what we're doing to evangelize and disciple people. That's really good. Really good. And, yeah, I love what you said at the beginning. Anytime you proclaim the gospel, I mean, you know, I think Paul says even if people do it with the wrong motives, it's still going to be fruitful. But, like, we should be have a plan and be focused and be looking for those opportunities. And you've said in your stories, God, throughout today, just when you started to pray that God was faithful to answer and to direct your path. Uh, so it'd be in prayer for God to give us those chances, and he'll, uh, he'll definitely, definitely do that. Um, so that, that's really good stuff. So uh, one last thing I'll ask you about. Um, I just Let's see, where can we go? 
uh, for a few minutes. Um, let's talk about groups. You mentioned groups a little bit ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Our church does groups. Kind of um, the the shift for that. I don't know that he, I even knew that you were part of certain groups at Triad, uh, but then you've been part of a transition uh, as far as uh, as Peace Haven. Uh, how'd that come about? I know like this is kind of maybe right pre-COVID, and then COVID's had a whole different thing mm-hmm. on that. Um, so how did you guys maybe see that as an opportunity pre-COVID, and then how has COVID had an impact on your church, on your groups, uh, ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, when you think about groups, um, you know, what we're really looking at there is trying to create uh, uh, environments where biblical discipleship can take place, right? So... Um, real discipleship happens in relationship and sometimes people just get so caught up in just being a consumer at a church where they just want to show up on Sunday and that's the extent of people's knowledge of who they are Um, they feel comfortable coming and sitting in the pew and uh, you know being able to be superficially known where people can Mm. ask them how are you doing I'm fine how are you doing I'm fine Um, but really the relationship doesn't really go beyond there very very far um, that's not everybody in the church, but it's a lot of right. people. Right? Sure. Yeah. So really, if we're going to try to help more people in the church get out of that um, and get to a place where they can be known enough to be challenged, to be moved along the discipleship process, then uh, that's really the direction we need to go. Right. So we wanted, we wanted to create relational environments where biblical discipleship could happen. Uh, I feel like groups are the best place for that to happen. Um, because uh, you're putting yourself in proximity with a small number of people rather than just going to a Sunday school class. If your Sunday school class is large enough, it can be just like another church service. Sure. Or you're not known. Um, So, you know, with with the... uh, I read a book called Sticky Church when I was first planning to implement groups at uh, Triad, and I really just employed the method that... um, Larry Osborne presents in the book uh, with a few tweaks based off of our particular context. Um, we weren't going to be a groups-only church at Triad. We were going to be, um, you know, we're going to do everything else that we're doing, and we're going to add groups. Right. Okay? So right. a little different than yeah. what Larry Osborne presents in the book. Um, but I still wanted to utilize a lot of the things that he presents because, uh, you know, it's it's good to be sermon-based where, um, you know, your pastor is planning a, he's planning his um you know, where he wants to take the church through what he's preaching. That's his main discipleship avenue for everybody in the church. He's right. going to preach this through this series or the sermon. And so why would we only want to hear it on Sunday morning and then forget about it? Uh, when you're doing sermon-based, um, you know, sermon-based groups, you're having people who are going to take the sermon more seriously because they know they're going to discuss it. So they're going to take the time to take notes. They're going to listen more intently. Uh, if they miss the service, they're going to listen to it. Um, you know, on online, or they're going right. to watch it if they could make it to the service, or going to watch it via live stream. Uh, so your reach is better. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you're you're hearing the sermon, you're taking notes on the sermon, then you're answering questions based off of the sermon, and then you're going to discuss the sermon. So you interact with it so much more that the truth that's being presented in the sermon works its way into people's lives. Um, that's one of the biggest benefits I think of doing groups, but also doing sermon-based groups. Um, so yes. that way people can be discipled by the pastor through what he's planning to preach and teach. But then also the relationship aspect is really important. Um, in the book, Osborne talks about how they did a really good job of front door ministry. 
you know, at the church when he, when he was first thinking about moving towards groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches do that. They're very attractional. They've got a good worship uh, team or they've got a, a, a pastor that is very, um, you know, he's a very good preacher um, or, uh, you know, their kids' ministry is really good. And that gets people in, but it doesn't keep people long-term. It doesn't make them stick. That's exactly right. That's right. And that's why it calls a sticky church. Right. Um, but he, you know, he said we've got to do a better job of closing the back door. Hmm. So we can't be bringing in a lot of people, but then also having a lot of people moving out the back door. Yes. So part of closing the back door included um, putting people in close relationship with other people in the church. And that's really what you find in groups. You limit the group sizes to about 16, um, 16 14 to 16 at the most. And uh, that makes sure that people can develop some closer relationships. Um, and, you know, I've seen that happen at our church. You know, when, when people have gone through difficult times, now that we've had groups in place, some people say, I don't know what I would have done without, mm-hmm. my, without being a part of my connect group. Um, and so, I, you know, or part of my D group, what we call them, D groups. Um, so, you know, I just feel like they're very, very important for that regard as well. They need to... You close the back door. You help people develop significant relationships, um, and it's centered around the Word of God. So you know, it's uh, you're going to be interacting with the Word based off of what's preached on Sunday morning. You're doing a light Bible study, and that way, when need to grow moments come up in life, you've got people that um, are on mission together. Mm-hmm. They are surrounded, uh, surrounding the Word together. Um, their lives are centered in the Word. Their relationships are centered in Christ and in the Word, and you know they can be known. So if somebody's struggling, um, if somebody is uh, sick, if somebody needs something, it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, and that's really, I think, some of the benefits that groups provide. And that's why we moved in that direction. Uh, we want to really provide a, an environment where people can be discipled and moved along in that process to not just be following Jesus, but be formed by Jesus, and then to live focused on the mission of Jesus. And groups make that process move a little bit easier. You're putting people in positions to be to be formed, formed, yeah. giving you giving them that and resourcing yeah. them to do that, right? You know, so that's really what's happening there. Uh, and then, kind of last, we'll we'll wrap up here. But um, COVID, how has that affected your groups, maybe ministry as a as a whole? And hopefully, we're getting out of it soon. But um, how have you guys had to kind of be flexible as far as that goes? Yeah, I mean, COVID's definitely affected. You know our ministry. Um, we had grand plans for uh, you know growing and expanding the group's ministry in 2020, yeah. and that really got shot down, right? So <laughs> we've had to be more patient, I think, and uh, just trust that the Lord has a plan in all of this, and hopefully that when we are able to move past uh, you know phases where we feel like we're being restricted um, or where we have to be more distance when we get past mm-hmm. those phases. Um, you know, then uh, we can get back to a place where we can push to grow them. Um, we, we've maintained, we've had some consistency through the process, and I've been grateful for that. But you said, how have you had to be flexible? Well, I mean, when, when people have to quarantine, yeah. you know, they got to quarantine. Right. When people get sick, we don't want to put them in their groups, right? We want their groups to yeah. not meet, uh, you know, and so we've had to be patient with that. If groups have to not meet, then let's try to make it uh, – you know, let's try to make it to where they can meet virtually. Um, right. You know, some of the things that we've tried to do is because you have you have different you have different spectrums as far as how people approach the pandemic, right? 
you have some people that are in the church that are very, you know, they very much want to follow the, the guidelines that are put in place, you know, by the government, by the CDC. And you got people on the other end of the spectrum that are very much like, hey, our freedoms are being infringed upon. We don't want any of these restrictions whatsoever. And you got people all in the middle of that. Yeah, I think you probably got it with this number we came up the other day, maybe 10% on each end and 80% in the middle. Yeah. Kind of trying to figure it out, something like that. But yeah, there's definitely people in all. All sides of it, and we got to figure out how to minister to all of them. Yep. So what we've tried to do, especially after the first of this year, is push everybody towards um, focusing on the one another's of Scripture. Okay. And um, this is something I, I did not come up with this. I got it from, uh, might have been the Village Church. I can't remember. It might, I think it might be the Village Church that was okay. doing this. Um, but they had a document that just lists all the one another's of Scripture on it in a really nice, artsy way. And so I printed that that out and just talked to our group about our group leaders and hosts about making sure that this is the focus, right? Mm. We're, we're, people are going to be have different opinions and people are going to approach this differently, but we need to care for and love every single person in our groups um, in order to have people be living in unity as followers of Christ, so that we can be a testimony to the to the community, to the world mm. of what fellowship in Christ looks like, even though we differ in certain things. Even though we differ in certain opinions, we can still love each other, be gentle towards each other, respect each other. And so I try to give at least a focus on one of those each week when I send an email. You know, hey, let's focus on this one another this week with our group. Mm. Um, and then also just reminding them, if you've got group members that are nervous about meeting in person, don't write them off. Yes. Right? Don't just say, well, fine, you're not going to meet with us. You're <laughs> basically not part of our group anymore. Mm. You can't do that. You right. know, try to make it as – try to make – them feel as much a part of the group as possible. That means if you need to, if you need to plan a really good setup for a virtual meeting so that they feel like they're there. Yes. Let's try to do that for them. You know. Right. Um, include them on every communication that you're sending out to everybody else, even if they're not able to meet with you. Mm. Um, make sure that you know send them cards, care packages, right from the group that says, "Hey, we miss you. We love mm. you. We're praying for you. You know, let's keep everybody you know plugged in to the best of our ability." Um, so that's that's what we're communicating, right? And I feel like we're I feel like our groups have done a very good job of being flexible. Our group leaders, our hosts, uh, it can be frustrating at times. You know, my group particularly, we, we I was frustrated for the first probably five or six weeks of this year because I just felt like when we first started meeting back, we had to we had to do virtual meetings for about four weeks when yeah. most everybody else was meeting in person because of somebody got COVID. Uh, you know, we're going to quarantine. We're sure. going to keep away from the members of this group. And so we had to do something virtually. Right. We met in, in person for the past four weeks. Hey. And it's been awesome. Yes. Okay. But we had to be patient with each other. And there were weeks where I said, in my mind, I'm like, do we even need to meet tonight virtually? You know. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even want to do this. You know, right. we just text everybody and say we're not going to meet. But the Holy Spirit's like, no, you need to be consistent with this. This is important. And it needs to be communicated that it's important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the times that we did, and when we did meet virtually, it was great. You know, we had some good meetings on our virtual setup. Um, but we talked about a while ago, it poses a lot of issues when you have groups with small families. And that's yes. everybody in my group, you know, we're small families, <laughs> kids running in the background, coming up and picking their nose on the screen, you yeah. know. And, oh, yeah. Waving off bodies, you know. We just give our, our crew, like, all right, all the kids come in and get on screen and say, hey, to your friends. You know, yep. we would mm-hmm. just have that as be part of our time. Same thing, we're watching, you know, we're just online for service. It's amazing how much harder it is. I was home a couple Sundays with that, like, how much harder it is to pay attention. Oh, yeah. With kids there, so. Without a doubt. 
Yeah, well, those those are good things. I'm taking some of those. I'm going to um, borrow them from you as for our groups for sure. Well, I borrow, so you're more than welcome to borrow. So it's not mine. You're right. Keep borrowing. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Jerry, we'll wrap up there. Uh, thanks for coming on. We didn't really talk much about being dads, but maybe we'll be did a part two uh, later <laughs> on. How to, how to be a dad uh, with Jared Hoots. That sounds like a good podcast yeah, yeah, there to we me. Go. That'd be fun. So we'll we'll do that again sometime soon. But we both got to run because we got to take our kids to do stuff right now. That's right. So swim lessons are calling. Yeah, I'm going to gymnastics. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in to episode six. We will see you again soon.